0: One. I got it, juice, juice. New AP. She got it, juice, juice juice. She got it, squeeze, squeeze, She got it wait I'm on a ski. I got it. Drip, drip. I'm overseas. D-R-I.
1: Welcome to the juice, everyone. It's a victory Tuesday for the Packers. Big obviously a big win, but before we get into all the sports talk, I have another guest, another Nina basketball player. Look Two weeks ago, I had Cal Klezman on. Today, I have Chevalier Ice Embry on. Uh, Ice, you're a first-time guest. Uh you excited to be on right
0: now? Oh, yeah. I'm very excited. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, no problem. So, uh, I got some questions for you. Uh You know, I've been, uh, every time I interview a Nina basketball player, it's always a successful episode. So, I right. thought, who else to interview but you? So, First off, you uh, committed to Merrimack, and your signing day was last week. Um, so I want to ask you, uh, Merrimack isn't usually a typical first D1 offer for a player in Wisconsin. How did they discover you, and what was the recruiting process like with them?
0: Um, I was in Dallas, Texas, and I was in an Under Armour event with my team, with my AU team. And uh, I had a pretty, pretty well weekend, played pretty well. And so that Sunday, um, the coach uh, texted me and was like, hey, can I give you a call that next day? So that Monday, I got, I got a call late at night around like eight-ish, and they offered me. So, And then from there, they just kept talking to me and really was excited to have me down there. Then I took my visit in September. And then once I got down there, I just knew that it was the perfect spot for me, and I really wanted to go there.
1: Oh yeah, so how you like Boston? Big
0: city. Obviously. I mean it's beautiful down there. I mean, city, big city life. The fans down there are crazy. Yeah. It's really everything I kind of wanted in a school. And it's exactly like kind of Wisconsin, like the culture. So I'm not really like worried about that and stuff like that.
1: Oh yeah. It definitely. So uh let's get into the season now. So we talked about your recruitment. Now let's get into you know the what's what's ahead of you right now. So you're obviously a very Confident player on the court. There are a lot of players who have a lot of talent, but just don't have the confidence. Like you got guys in open gym that can just hit every shot but when it comes game time. They just kind of get nervous and get the yips, and they just don't shoot at all. So, right, where did your confidence stem from, and how has it grown over the years?
0: Um, my confidence as a young player, I've always been a really, I guess, like I would like to say, like more of a better player from just working out with my father and stuff like that. And he always told me that I had to have great confidence. And then my sophomore year playing with max uh I saw the way I, how he like he took shots and it never phased him if he missed or anything like that, or when he didn't make shots that he was he was okay, like it was just normal to him, and he would make some crazy tough shots that I would look at him like that's really tough, but he would just be like normal, so I think it kind of rubbed off on me in a in a good way, like if he's confident, like I got to be confident to get that next level as well
1: Oh yeah, definitely, for sure, playing with a guy like Max definitely helps anyone who's on the court with him
0: you know, exactly. just to rub
1: off on his talent and stuff like that. So um, obviously you lost one of your best players in the summer, uh, Cal Torres ACL. And I just, I asked him what he thought about how the team's going to adapt, but I need to ask someone who isn't Cal, someone who's going to be playing on the team. How's your team going to adapt without having one of your best players?
0: You know, have, losing Cal is a big blow. I was so disappointed when I heard about it. He told me, because I was really excited. We had a really, really great five with him. And we just had so much, many weapons. And in our, in our starting five, or just like our first five, I guess you could say, that was just any person could go at any time. And then when he kind of left, we all kind of like talked to him like, hey, like, you know, he's gone now. We got to pick up the slack. Like, we got to pick up everything he does and then some. So um, we had a talk with kind of like the underclassmen. And we have some good underclassmen like Brady Corso who's a sophomore, Jackson Schloman, and Sam and Elliot who are some good players that can play for us. We also mm-hmm. have Matt Young who came back out. So I think I think we adapted really well. I think even though like it happened and it was so disappointing, it was kind of like good to have it happen in the summer than late in the season, I think. Just oh, so yeah. we could adapt earlier.
1: Yeah, I completely yeah, I completely get it. You you obviously if it happens in the middle of the season you're, you're losing one of your best players like right there and then you exactly. gotta learn how to adapt on the fly now you know like it's obviously it's gonna to be tough to have them but now you have time to actually know what you gotta to... obviously you we got some new we got some new players coming up and obviously there's obviously some new players in the FBA that are you're gonna be playing up against that are new so is are there any players that on our team or even on in the FBA, that you're excited to watch this season are really hyped to, you know, see what they can do for their team?
0: Yeah. um, First for our team, starting off, I think we have a lot of players who are, are so-called underrated or maybe don't get the respect they earn. So I think starting off with a couple of our seniors, Matt Young, Eli, and JJ, I think those three are very, very underrated players. I, I'm really excited to see what those three players bring to us and what they show like other people because I know they're great players and they've been showing you in the summer and the fall. So those are three like off bat off the top of head for our team. Brady Corso is a great underrated sophomore in my opinion. Jackson is also a very underrated player. So those are just a couple of the guys that I'm really really excited to have see what they bring to a table for us and this year. Um, <clears throat> someone. On different teams, probably in the FEA, I got to go with Jackson Pav. I mean, a great friend of mine, a brother of mine, and I know we compete in workouts all the time. And you know, some some people would say like their team kind of lost a couple of players. So I'm really excited to see what he can do and prove people wrong and just the skill set that he has.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. He's always fun to watch, but also it'll be interesting to see what he does after losing that big senior class. Right. Um. And last question for you. So obviously the goal for this team is to end up at the Kohl Center at the end of the season. Correct. What do you why do you think this team why do you think that this team has what it takes to, you know, go all the way?
0: Um first of all, I think I think our first five, first of all, I personally think our first five is all easily college basketball players. And it's something that I think is really unique and then I see in my team that a lot of people like always like are like wowed by is all of our players except for matt young of course are all basketball guys and they're they don't play really like like a different sport during that time during that fallish time oh yeah so we all got to play together all fall all summer always so i mean we always had me ct eli jj brady corso we always had me brady all them juke sometimes matt even would come even during the football season so i mean for me i think is we have a lot of guys who are, like, oh, basketball's first for me. And also, not even that, like, our talent-wise, I feel like we are such a problem, one through five, of, like, guarding. It's, like, really, like, pick your poison at this point because I feel like everyone can score. And I feel like everyone brings great stuff in their role of their game.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, people, people don't really talk about that a lot, but, like, that summer and fall stuff, like, it's it's good to gain your chemistry and your team and So and – And people don't really think about it, but like if you're playing a fall sport, you're losing out on that like time with your team. And the more time you get with them in the off season, the better. So exactly
0: chemistry and everything.
1: Yeah. So your fives all your fives all good to go. And Matt, Matt, he's really just a glue guy. You put him in, he can do his role.
0: Exactly. That's what. That's why I'm really excited to show off Matt and what he does this year because people are like, oh, he's a football guy. But I mean, dude, the kid's athletic, strong, (laughs) and he knows his role so well. Is I'll grab every rebound and I'll but what a he's such a great defender too he's so underrated in defend, defensive side because he's so big but I believe he can guard one through five two through five mattering on matchups and stuff like that all
1: right yeah uh all right thanks for your time ice uh it was you you did a great job and could, some good answers that I really liked uh, hopefully hopefully we'll have you on again maybe in the middle of the season to talk about how the team's going but uh appreciate your time
0: for sure thank you.
1: Well, that was a great interview with Ice. Uh, I'm still, I'm very, I, as you can tell, I'm obviously very excited for the upcoming basketball season. I got high hopes for my boys. Uh, it's senior year, and you know we got to go out on a high note. And with guy with players like Ice, J.J., Eli, Carter, Thomas, Matt Young, Brady Corso, Jackson Sloman, just a, a lineup like that, I feel like is a state lineup. And I, f- I think we can, we're gonna let everyone know we're for some reason we're being underrated going into the year. Even though I thought we were a favorite in the F.A. conference, but I guess people have other ideas. But we'll we'll wake them up. All right. Next week I'm planning on having Eli and JJ on. Hopefully, technical difficulties is on our side because having having three people on one podcast at the same time eh, might be tough. So, anyways, I want to talk about uh let's let's get into some NFL as if you didn't already know that. I want to talk about uh, Mac Jones. So going. I up I did a podcast in like April. It was a pre-draft podcast and it didn't record, but I did a mock draft with Matt Whitmer. And it didn't record, but we did a mock draft and I was very adamant and we were both very adamant that Mac Jones should have been the third overall pick to the 49ers after Zach Wilson to the Jets and Trevor Lawrence to the Jags. And people hate me for, people hated me for being a Mac Jones defender. Uh, I was called racist. I was called uh, I was called uh, somehow misogynistic and uh, just a poor quarterback uh, evaluator because I liked Mac Jones. Sorry, I like I'm sorry I like guys that go undefeated, win national championships, and throw for 400 yards in both their playoff games. I'm sorry. Like the guy was just so efficient in his senior year at Alabama, and the guy just won games and showed up in the biggest moments. Yeah, he had a good supporting cast, but when you're at Alabama and when you're at any big SEC school, or even Ohio State like Justin Fields, Justin Fields had two top ten wide receivers that are going to be top ten picks in this year in this year's upcoming NFL draft, and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Like every every great college team is always going to have um, good help. So, anyways, I feel like we need to start reevaluating. Uh, I feel like we need to start evaluating quarterbacks in a different way. So, Tyron Matthew tweeted that uh, the reason why people didn't like Mac Jones uh, going into the draft is because he wasn't flashy enough, he wasn't throwing out of his left hand, he just, the guy just, was just a manila quarterback. And, there's a lot of truth to that. Because we live in an era where flashy almost gets you, where being flashy almost gets you to the top Without really seeing your resume. Guys like, uh, and Patrick Mahomes, even after just after one, after his first rookie season, which was very impressive, he won a VP and rightfully so. People just kind of immediately put him at the top at number one because he was just doing things that you had never seen before, besides maybe Aaron Rodgers, but, he, but Mahomes was doing it on a more, um, on a more physical level, he was a little bit more athletic, and he was doing different arm angles that Aaron Rodgers had really hadn't done. And I feel like we need to realize that when you're looking, when you're evaluating a quarterback going into an NFL draft, you got to see can this QB can this QB win me football games and distribute on time and on target, and all three of those facets. Mac Jones was number was is the best in every single one of those facets going into the draft. He won the national championship, went undefeated, won played his best in the biggest spot, which is something that I kind of knocked Trevor Lawrence for, and I said Trevor Lawrence shouldn't be considered like a like a no bust product. Every quarterback can bust, it, and it all depends on what situation they're in, or just the NFL is just not for them. And I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence is a bust, but so far Mac Jones has looked better than him. And I liked Zach Wilson. I was, I, I'm going to be honest, I was, kind of a, I was a prisoner of the flashy evaluation. Because going into the draft, Zach Wilson was doing things that were a mixture of Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. But my point is, Mac Jones, Mac Jones does everything you want a quarterback to do. And he did everything a quarterback wanted to do in college besides making it look flashy. He just made the game look a lot more simple. He was very accurate, had the highest completion percentage at all college football, and just threw very accurate deep balls, and was always on time and on target, and going into the draft, people said he had the highest IQ out of any of the quarterbacks. So why not take that guy number one? Maybe not over Trevor Lawrence, because Trevor Lawrence was put on a pedestal when he was in high school, that he was going to be the number one overall pick. So I think... No matter what Trevor Lawrence did in college, he was always going to be the number one pick no matter what. And I'm not saying he didn't deserve it, but Mac Jones did everything you asked of him. It, everything any any quarterback evaluator asked of him besides being flashy. So why should that somehow knock him if he can't throw off different arm angles or throw off platform Uh, that he, and, and he's maybe not as mobile as your average quarterback? What if he doesn't have to, what if he just makes the game a lot more simple than that, and you're seeing the benefits right now? He has looked the best out of any rookie quarterback by a mile. Yes, he's in a better situation. I'd say him and Justin Field's situations are a little are comparable i'd take I'd take Mac Jones's obviously because Mac Jones is working with a better defense and he's got you know a good old line but you're seeing you're seeing the benefits right now. You you put Mac Jones with a with just a fine a fine head coach, you put Mac Jones with not only just a fine head coach, the greatest coach of all time. And he's and he's reaping the benefits. You saw what Bill Belichick did with Tom Brady. That's that is that is what Mac Jones can be, which is why I don't understand how he wasn't drafted higher. Tom Brady's Tom Brady, guys like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Dan Marino, any guys like that. Guys who have good guys who have really good arms, and who can just sit in the pocket and slice up a defense without really without making it look flashy, which is what which is the era of football we're in nowadays. You take the guy that makes the game. You take the guy that is able to make the game look too look so easy. Mac Jones, a senior at Alabama, made the game look easy i honestly didn't didn't really see a knock on him other than his mobility and you're seeing it now the guy the guy prepares well he's a good he's a good teammate he's good at the po- he's good at the press and he just can make he can almost make every throw you need him to make on the field he throws into tight windows that was always the that was always the knock on him beginning this year that he wasn't really taking many ricks he was just taking the check down and you're almost thinking that the the offense is could be better but in spite of Mac Jones's inability to maybe throw it downfield you couldn't the the offense could possibly be better now you're seeing it the the more games Mac Jones goes through the higher his confidence is getting that throw to Kendrick Bourne up the middle between two defenders was a big time NFL throw he had two throws to Hunter Henry big time NFL throws with with great touch we got to give Mac Jones his props the guy is basically playing like he did in college, and what he was doing in college was record-breaking. I mean, he—he—he—I I really don't see anything he's doing. I don't—I don't see any. He—I feel like he's taking the NFL in stride. He doesn't look nervous ever, and he's just making every single throw you can make. I don't see a reason. I don't—I don't see any um, effects going in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence, you seeing the effects? he can't really deal with a clean po- he can't really deal with a with a tough pocket this is the first time in his entire football career he's played with a bad old line so he's obviously feeling the effects of having a bad pocket uh Zach Wilson don't even need to talk about it the guy's decision making is just terrible Trey Lance hasn't seen the field and Justin Fields while he's looked impressive to start to start he had that awful stint with the Browns and he's just Justin Fields, you can obviously see the, t- see the talent, but he's had a couple really bad starts, and but that that's why I put him too. I think he's easily looked the second best out of all the rookie QBs, but yeah, I don't want to say I'm completely right on Mac Jones because it's only been what ten games, but he won the starting job. They cut Cam because they were that confident in Mac Jones, and now you're seeing why they why they put him in. It's that simple. All right, we're gonna shift. To, uh, what do we have here in the notes? Oh, yeah. So, the hypothetical pick, pick four parlay. Now, you may be wondering why I'm in a better mood than I was last week. I did go 3 for 4 again for the third straight time on my parlay. That would have been, let me do the math, $275 no, $375 in my Venmo if those three games went my way. Now, picking the Browns is obviously a mistake. Uh, they got absolutely smoked. But I took the Packers before Aaron Rodgers got COVID. That would have been $140. And then before that, the Bengals lost to the Jets. And somehow I didn't win that one either. So obviously this one, I deserve to lose it. I picked the Browns and they got smoked. I'm not making excuses. But I'm just saying. Anyways, I did make an I did hypothetically make another bet. I did uh three games on the spread. Uh, I picked Saint Spread, Viking Spread, and Saint Spread, Viking Spread. Picked another game on the spread. Can't really remember it. It'll come to me. But that one won me seventy dollars. So we left the we left the weekend plus uh sixty because we did lose we did hypothetically lose that other ten that pick four parlay. But I'm getting there. I'm three out of four. I'm seventy five percent. We just need that one to hit. And I'm really liking the one. I'm really liking the the one I have for you guys today. So let's get right into it. Juice's hypothetical pick four parlay. If you're ever gambling, just come to me and I'll give you your I'll give you your props. So going into it, this is a $10 bet to win $116. Uh, the first one we have here: Jets money line over the Dolphins. The Dolphins are coming off their the biggest win in the past two years in the Tua Valley Loa era. They beat Lamar Jackson. They beat him. But here's here's a big reason why I think they beat him. That that field is horrendous. That that the my that Miami Dolphins field is so bizarre. I know it's a soccer field, but guys were slipping left and right in those they anytime you can have conditions like that and you're the home team and you're used to those conditions, especially with your when your quarterback's Lamar Jackson, a guy who needs to be on his feet because he's constantly doing stuff with his legs. It's a weird. It's gonna have a weird outcome, and this was weird. Now Lamar Jackson did not play very well, and the Dolphins' defense is very formidable. But I think you got. I think you got to just admit that game was a little strange. So yeah, I'm. So yeah, I'm taking the Jets. Dolphins are on a high right now, and the Jets um got embarrassed, and they're just in desperation mode. This is a divisional battle. Divisional battle in. Please tell me it's in New York. If it's in New York, I'm just. I just need. To, I just need to know, cause. That's obviously there's not gonna be many people in the stadiums, but having it in New York would be would be nice. And it is, it's it's in New York. It's a divisional battle, and the Dolphins are on the road, and they're still not a good team. And maybe Zach Wilson's coming back. I don't know, necessarily know how much that helps the Jets, but Mike Mike White did have four picks. So I'm gonna take Zach Wilson, a fresh Zach Wilson coming off an injury. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I don't know how fresh he is. Maybe 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 he's doing bad. Who knows? But I have confidence in him. Remember, that's my guy. That that was my guy going pre-draft. So yeah, take the Jets money line. The spread is plus three and a half. Jets money line. That's gonna be the first one. The second one. So that's my uh, that's my big upset. This one is my lock of the week. There is no way the Panthers lose to the football team. Absolutely no way. Heck, they are. You know what? Fuck it. Hell. There is no way the Panthers lose this game. They that that game against the Cardinals, mind you, against against Colt McCoy and without DeAndre Hopkins. That team just looks different with Cam Newton at quarterback. It it, it, it actually looks it it it's like a whole different it's like a whole different um it's like a, it, the team's almost got a whole different feel. I mean, you saw the memes with Robbie Anderson looking at Sam Darnold. Now he's looking at Cam Newton. You saw Christian McCaffrey so happy after every single Cam Newton score. And by the way, Christian McCaffrey having him back is nuts. He's going to give you one hundred fifty all-purpose yards every single game. That is so big. And I think it's in, and I believe it's in Carolina. I don't know why I don't have this information up right now, um, but I believe it's in Carolina. Like this Panthers team, I mean, they look good. They have a formidable pass rush with Cam Newton. Their offense just gets that much more dynamic. Uh, as long as Cam doesn't make mistakes like Sam Darnold did, which is not a very high bar, I see. I just I don't really don't see a way the Panthers lose this game. The football team, obviously they're coming off a win against the Buccaneers, but remember what I like. Every single bad team that gets an upset win, I like them to lose the next week. Just like the opposite way, I like every good team that loses by an upset to win the next week after getting embarrassed. Which is why I take the Buccaneers to win, but the spread's just a little too big for the Giants game so anyways Panthers over football team that is my lock there is no way the Panthers lose that game it's just a, they're just so hot right now and they're, there's a different feel and I don't see a way to, and if Cam Newton keeps playing well I mean obviously he didn't play all the snaps but PJ Walker's not it Cam Newton's gonna start this week and if Cam Newton wins another game with his old team I it, this team's gonna be scary great defense and Christian McCaffrey's back it just makes them that much more dynamic this one was interesting, so the Eagles are favored by a point to the Saints and the Saints got into a dogfight with the AFC's best team in the Tennessee Titans and Trevor Simeon's not playing bad now this game is in Philadelphia which is always a tough place to play but I'm gonna take the Saints to win this game uh with with uh plus 105 odds for the money line listen the Eagles O line is still not very good and I can you could really run all over them, and I like the way Mark Ingram was running the ball. So, and Trevor Simeon, he's not bad. He threw the ball well. He made that that throw to that throw to score. They didn't get the they obviously didn't get the two point conversion, but that throw to score in the in the right right side of the end zone to Callaway, I believe, was that's that's a big time NFL throw. And the Saints defense is still very good, and you can tell they're still a very good team. They 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 got very close to beating the titans and without that rough in the passer call they almost they they just might have Marcus williams picks that and it's not called rough in the passer which it shouldn't have by the way reffing this year has been just an, at an all-time low these rough in the passer calls taunting calls they they need to be reevaluated at the end of the season it's actually terrible so i like the saints to win this game they're again they're projected to they're predicted to they're an underdog they're a one point underdog take the saints in this one uh, they're still a very good team. Last one, you know I couldn't leave the Packers out of this one, baby. They're favored by pl- they're player. They're favored by two and a half. Take the Packers in this one. That defense is just unreal, ladies and gentlemen. The Packers defense is arguably playing like the best defense in football. You go to, you go to. You go to Arizona. You go to Kansas City, and then Russell Wilson, fresh off you know, recovering from a finger injury, and you hold those guys to 34 points, that means something. That's without Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander, your two best players on defense. I mean, hats off to them. And Aaron Rodgers, no, he did not play great uh, this Sunday, but let's be honest. That's 10 days away from the team. It might do that to you. And he looked a little rusty, but that's fine. And he made a really bad decision. He threw a bad pick, but let's just... Let's just be honest with ourselves. Aaron Rodgers owns the Vikings, and the two games he played them last year were were two of some of his best games of the season, week one, and then obviously the game they lost in Lambeau last year, Windy Day and Aaron Rodgers still for, threw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns. So, obviously I'm taking the Packers in here. I think they'll be able to... Honestly, it doesn't even look like it's that hard to stop Dalvin Cook this year. Obviously not as bad as it was last year, Dalvin Cook just doesn't look like he has that burst, and he's still getting injured constantly. So, I like the Packers to shut down Dalvin Cook, and then Aaron Rodgers should have his way with that Viking secondary. And AJ Dillon is running with a purpose right now. So, obviously, you got that Packers offense still now at full full capacity, and can't forget about this. Offensive line didn't play great last week, but David Bakhtiari is coming back. That means out goes Royce Newman, in goes Elton Jenkins at left at left guard. Lucas Patrick at center. Hopefully, Josh Myers comes back by the by the end of the season. And then we got, obviously, John Runyon at right guard. Billy Turner at right tackle. Always reliable. And then the best left tackle in football, David Bakhtiari, coming back. Should be coming back. I thought he'd come back last week. I thought he'd come back the week before. And he didn't do either. So, I'm really not sure when he will. I think it's going to be this week, though. So, yeah. Give me the Packers offense at full capacity. Ready to go and beat the Vikings. No problem there. All right. That's enough talking about the hypothetical pick four parlay. It's a bet, $10 bet to win $116. Do it. I won't because I don't bet. Always got to say that. Now, let's uh, to end this off, let's talk about the Packer game. Uh, I post my takeaways on Twitter every single week after every single game. So I'll just share them with you guys just so they can get out. Because I, like, I do put a lot of thought into every single one of my takeaways. So, let's get into it. Uh, I'm reading these from the book. So, this is me essentially going off a written script. Alright, Aaron Rodgers just wasn't that good. Not that we expected him to be great. He had a really horrible interception. He missed on some really easy throws, like a low ball on a 10-yard end to Devontae, a deep ball to Lazard, and a throw that should have led Jones to a potential TD in the end zone that ended up behind him. And... Jones, obviously, probably should have caught it, but it wouldn't have ended up being a touchdown if he did. I actually thought he evaded pressure incredibly well. You can tell his pocket presence is still terrific. He should be back into form next week against a torchable Vikings defense. Uh, I Obviously, Rodgers looked very rusty. He missed on a few throws that he'd normally hit, and the passing game just kind of looked stagnant. The offense looked stagnant the whole entire game, but the offense, I mean, the defense picked up the slack they allowed zero points to russell wilson that's always a that's always a plus that's always going to get you a win (laughs) obviously it's zero points so uh yeah i i thought his pocket presence was very good even having that toe injury that he was put on the injury report in on saturday so i was very impressed with that if i could take any pros from his game uh now we're talking about the run game. It is kind of weird seeing Aaron Jones' role slowly diminish in the run game, and it's really not a bad thing. A.J. Dillon is just an incredible runner and a capable pass catcher, and is also incredibly nimble for a guy his size. I always feel like if there's ever a, a just any sort of DB running at A.J. Dillon's legs, I always feel like he gets out of it in some way, shape, or form. And for a guy that big, and to, have, to be that light on his feet is very impressive. Uh Jones is obviously going to be out for 2 weeks, so not that long. So the Packers should look to sign someone to add more depth for the next 2 weeks. They I saw they worked out on Johnson, not a bad look, but I am super excited for AJ Dillon as our lead back. Now this is a big couple weeks coming up for AJ Dillon. Let's say AJ Dillon lights it up and you and you know he's going to be like a number 1 back. What are we doing with Aaron Jones then? We'll obviously keep him the rest of the season, but he, it's a lot of money for a guy who's really not having a big role in the offense right now. I think he should have a bigger role, obviously. I don't know if that means necessarily more carries, but I just think he needs to be on the field more. There's a lot of time we're just running single back with A.J. Dillon. I'm like, you still have a top 10 running back on your team, and he's just not on the field. He needs to be on the field a lot more, whether it's splitting him out wide or in a double backfield with A.J. Dillon. Either way, I think AJ Aaron Jones' role diminishing is kind of strange. Obviously, A.J. Dillon is showing that he's going to be our lead back eventually. I just think Aaron Jones being a top 10 running back maybe should have a little more touches than what he got on Sunday. But uh, we dodged the bullet with his injury. He'll be back in two weeks. No problem. Uh, I thought the O line was mediocre multiple times on third and fourth and shorts. Third slash fourth and shorts. A.J. Dillon would get the ball like he should and he would just get hit in the backfield immediately by an interior rusher. The big reason why Dave Bakhtiari can't come back soon enough is because the interior of our line has been a problem lately, and moving Elton back there can help that. And I thought Royce Newman started out well in the season, but has struggled the most as of late, which will likely lose him his starting spot when Bakhtiari comes back next week. So yeah, I I said the O-line look when Bakhtiari comes back, and that's if... They kick out Royce Newman, which they probably will. He kind of got bullied on. He got bullied by Chris Jones against the Chiefs, and then did not have a very good game against the Seahawks. And it really comes down to those third and third and fourth and shorts. I brought up AJ Dillon should not be getting hit in the backfield, and obviously he's going to break that first tackle. But once you get hit in the backfield, it's tough to get that extra yard, and that happened and that that stopped a few of our drives. And Rodgers in the pass protection I thought was fine. The run. The run protection in the first half, at least, was was pretty bad. So, Royce Newman probably going to lose his starting spot. That's not a bad thing though, because that adds more depth to our O line. Who can get injured? Uh, very likely. Some in in the in the, and towards the end of the season. So, I don't think he's a bad. He is a rookie, and I don't think he's a bad player, but he just has played the worst so far. So, he's going to get kicked out when. Bakhtiari comes back. Now let's go over the defense. So I can't say enough about how well this defense has played. Russell Wilson could, literally couldn't do anything the entire game. He could not find D.K. Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, and most of his completions were to Gerald Everett or Jeff Swain. So credit that to our amazing pass rush and excellent coverage from Russell Douglas, Eric Stokes, and Kevin King, who has played really well since coming back. He got himself a pick, and I really don't think he's been getting beaten in coverage that much. So And it looks like Rashawn won't be missing a crazy amount of time. Heck, he could be back on Sunday with a brace. He obviously won't be as effective, but having Rashawn Gary on the field, period, is always going to be nice. Uh, I would like to have Z back ASAP, whether it's playing in the interior or uh, or obviously just him and Preston being our edge rushers, and we give you know Rashawn Gary a break to recover from his elbow injury. But uh, I don't know when he'll be back. Hopefully he's back in the next couple weeks. Uh, it would be nice to have him. And if Rashawn Gary gets healthy, could you imagine a pass rush with Preston and Rashawn Gary on the edge and then Zedarius Smith and Kenny Clark in the inter- in the interior? Zedarius Smith is very underrated in the interior, and that was when our pass rush was most effective towards the end of the season and against Tom Brady in the NFC championship. Uh I thought the past three games for the Packers D have been arguably have been against arguably top five to seven QBs. And all three of them had some of their worst games of the season. Kyler Murray threw two picks against uh, against the Packers defense, obviously in that Thursday night game. And Patrick Mahomes played his one of his worst games I've ever seen him play. And then Russell Wilson, obviously coming back from the finger injury, he was bad. And it wasn't necessarily his fault. No one could get open, and then he was just getting he was under duress the whole game. You just got to credit the defense. I have never seen a Packers defense be so good in coverage and so good rushing the passer. It's really, it really um, is the perfect formula for turnovers when you can get a QB under duress and have such tight, tight coverage. It's just, I'm very excited to see this defense when it gets to full form. Lastly, Mason Crosby. He's really starting to piss me off. Uh, It might be might be time to let him go after the end of the season. And I'm not saying that all of his misses, all of his NFL leading misses have been his fault, because they haven't. He, obviously, he had a few really bad holds, and he's got a, at least since two weeks ago, has a new holder and has a, no, he has a new long snapper, and he has a new holder this season with Corey you I mean, the past two years before that was J.K. Scott. So yeah it's obviously a new unit for him and it's and it's obviously not working and I'm not saying we need to change things up but there needs to be more attention to detail because apparently I, according to Mo Drayton at least these misses really haven't been on crosby uh, a lot of them has just been timing uh especially on the uh apparently on the miss on the field goal that was blocked against the chiefs it was a lot of just it's like a it's like a quick one two three motion when it comes to the kick and the timing just really wasn't there from snap to hold, and that leads to misses. But I I don't know. I just feel like we overcomplicate the, the field goal. Just kick it. And I know I'm saying that as a person who's never kicked a field goal, but, like, at some point, this is getting ridiculous. Like, why are we talking about special teams so much? This is football, man. Special teams are supposed to be something that's just automatic all the time. And... Mason Crosby, who was automatic the previous two years, is now not automatic, and he's getting older, and he really doesn't kick the ball insanely far. I mean, obviously, he's accurate, but according to this season, not really, and that, obviously, he's got ice in his veins. That field goal against the 49ers was very clutch, but we need to be honest with ourselves. You have guys, you have a kicker who's missed seven field goals already, uh... I mean, you got to start thinking. This guy's been on our team for a while, but if he's not making the field goals, maybe you got to maybe you got to look somewhere else. Who knows? That should do it for today's episode. Uh great interview with Ice and next week hopefully we have Eli and JJ the Twin Towers on. And that's going to be the Tuesday before basketball season starts on next Saturday against Notre Dame. So, very excited for that. Hope to see you next week. Uh, yeah, that's all I gotta say.
0: Thirsty, thirsty, trying to choose. I mean, I know I'm pretty cool. My natty bag, my candy boots. I got the juice, I got the juice. Chano, Chatham's on. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my.